All right, this is the Big Kids Show. I am Big Nick. Thank you for kicking it, even if it's just for a little bit with us. With me, I got Mark and Brian, and today we are playing Top 3. Thank you, boys and girls. We welcome and appreciate your applause. All right, we are playing Top 3, and here are the general parameters. Each big kid, Mark, Brian, and myself, will name and explain for you our top three choices for the chosen topic. And we will each introduce them to you in the ever popular three, two, one fashion. Today's topic is top three, and we have chosen original Nintendo console video games for today's top three. Yeah. Now, before we get into it, boys, I think a little discussion should be had. For each of us, a great deal of nose to the grind, and I'm sure... Uh, hard work was involved, maybe even some deep soul searching. But what I want to get from each of you are two things. First, on a scale of zero to five, uh, what was the level of difficulty in making your selections, five being the most difficult decision in your lifetime, and zero just being, oh, it's just for a show and no one listens to podcasts anyway. And second, briefly, and I do mean briefly, what mm. led you to this score? Brian, you won our coin toss today, so I would like for you to go first. How difficult was it to make your selections and why? Thank you, Nick. Yes, quite difficult. Um, being a professional Nintendo player that I am, um, I've played many games, and my research involved going back and I actually still own a uh, original Nintendo. So I decided to play every game I own for 35 hours tops. Um, But no, I rated a 4.275 out of a five. Um, Okay. Now, Mark, what say you? um, It's a five. I mean, I think the reality is this, this system is what really defined a lot of our childhoods. Right. So I, you know, I just think it's one of those things when you start to go back and you think you have an idea what games you want to pick, but then as you actually start to kind of peruse through the different titles and you start to see a picture of a game, it sets off a memory. You know what I mean? So it's it's a five all the way. I mean, it, there was a solid 15 to 20 games in contention, I think, throughout this whole thing for me. Um, and it was tough. It was tough to whittle it down. So, Nick, I would like to uh, take Mark's answer. Can you just plug that in his mind? Yeah, we'll we'll fix that up for you. For me, I put the selection process at about a four. One in part because there are just so many games to choose from. So just from a sheer numbers standpoint, that adds to the difficulty level. But then two, to top that off, I have like about 20 games that I really, really loved. And I've always been a big fan of the Nintendo brand. But And here's, this is a big but. I would say about 50% of the Nintendo games are crap. So <laughs> where I'm going with this is if you would have told me to pick like my top 20, then I would put the difficulty level at like a one. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, well, and I think there's a loyalty factor too, right? I mean, when you think about some of these games, you think about what what they meant to you, like I said, growing up and then, you know, when we're kids, you know, there's always going to be a memory attached to some of those, but you know, it's tough to leave some of these off the list and feel like you're betraying the game that treated you 
you know, well as a kid, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough compromise. I completely agree, Mark. Plus even think about like, you know, being a kid, probably with no income. So the games you had were limited. If you were lucky enough to rent a game, but normally most of the games I played were at a friend's house. So it would be, I'd play it for 20, 30 minutes and then that was it. But the ones I owned were the ones I played pretty consistently whether they even liked them or not, they're just the ones I had. Well, plus you get an iron lung just by playing Nintendo games in the first place. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows what I'm talking about with that. Right. I, have, I have no idea what you mean. The attempting to get your video game to work. What, what do you mean, sir? Exactly. Well, you know, that, that technique of literally having to take the video game and then blow into it as hard as humanly possible without your lung flying up your throat and out your mouth at the same time. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody built their uh, ability to hold their breath and lung capacity just by playing Nintendo games as kids. Think of all the dirt that you blew right into your face every day. <laughs> I'm going to call that the uh, Nintendo harmonica when you think ah, about it. You, I like not it. only do you blow in it as hard as you can, but a lot of people use the method where you slide the cartridge oh, oh, yeah. you past gotta go, your you lips gotta, as you're blowing as hard as you, you can. You got to go from an A to a G. Yeah, absolutely. So the that method, the Nintendo harmonica method, was well-practiced in my hood growing up. But a kid came over to my house one day and taught me a different technique. And it for a while, it worked much better than the other. I don't know if, like, the Nintendo just needed a different, you know, you got to work, work it a different way once in a while. But <laughs> he did a, this was a slow blow but it was like with you want to use like hot air, like like that kind of thing. Also, oh, it was blew, weird. So bad breath works better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and Nick, I as you said that, I started thinking of maybe this is console to console. But like, if you remember when you used to put the Nintendo game in, you wouldn't cram it all the way in. Like you had to put it in just enough to where it rubbed at the at the bottom. When you push down. So yeah, the lip. Thank you, Mark. So like, I remember like if you put it in too far and push down, it wouldn't work, but you put it in uh, just so slightly, have it rub. And then of course, when you, once you got it going, you said, if anybody touches this Nintendo, I will kill you. Right. I mean, I still have that now. I have a Nintendo set up in my basement. And if anyone touches it, I will murder you. Well, and you see the friend that does it the wrong way, and you just look at him shaking your head. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Did walk. either of you guys have friends that would do the up down up down up down up down method, where they would they would like they're jimmying it up and down up and down in the inside the console? Yeah, that yeah. That, that person became not my friend real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I also had like a couple games that just once they quit working, they never ever worked again. Yeah. I have seen on. Uh, some in a, some Nintendo, I don't know whether they're documentaries or what, but they, I mean, they have them out there. I've seen like guys that own a collection or maybe they own a store and resell them and they use like a Q-tip and some kind of liquid method to really get in there and go after it. So. It's, it's, I'm sure it's probably so, kind of like when you're cleaning uh, pots on like a stereo equipment. Like, you know, when we've cleaned old mics and stuff or old stereo stuff, Mark, it's probably yep, the same yep. stuff. You're just getting all that dirt and grime from, I mean, some of these games are what, 30, 35 years old or something. So 
Well, and I think that's a struggle with Nintendo games. You never know when they're actually dead. Because you're going to try. You're going to be blowing that thing like a harmonica. You're going to be slamming it up and down. You're going to be using the lip method. At what point do you call, you know, at what point does it flatline? You know, I mean, you've always got one buddy in the room with you next to you. And he's like, nah, man, let me try. I was like, I was like Blues Traveler when I was playing it. I was all over the place. (laughs) All right. Well, with that aside, it's time to play top three. How about, Brian, you start us off. What is your number three Nintendo game? Ooh. All right. For number three, I choose Contra. And let me explain why here. So Contra, obviously... If anyone has played that game, understands the infamous 30 free lives code. Anyone is aware of that? The, I believe it's up, up, down, down, left, left, right, B-A, B-A. So Don't I mess started, it up. I think I messed it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I, when I discovered that as a kid, I, my mind was blown. I was like, oh, my God, there's a, a, a trick you can do and have all these lives. So that just did it for me right there. Then on top of it, if you guys remember, it was a two-player game at the same time, right? So yeah, the co-op right, was both, clutch. So I both have players playing at the same time yes. to achieve the same goal. So I have a little brother. Well, we had one Nintendo. <laughs> Do I want to share the Nintendo? Not really. So this is a game where we could play at the same time and actually have the same goal. You know, and there was only a handful of games you could do that. If you remember Nintendo, there wasn't a lot of two player at the same time games. So to that, I mean, I just, I love that. I mean, we, me and my brother played it all the time and, you know, were we good at it? No, we were terrible. And even with the 30 lives, we still, I don't think I ever beat the game, but I love the, the code and I love the, the two players at the same time. Well, that brings up an interesting thing to discuss here. So, Konami was the maker of the game. And I did not know this at the time because I was just a a wee little lad and knew nothing about the world. But Konami made like that was a common code for other Konami games. And I believe it started with like Gradius or something like that. And you could actually apply that same code or a version of that code to a lot of their different games. And um, the funny thing is, when when I look into some of this stuff and, and discover this Konami code, and that's what it was called amongst a lot of people, I remember it always being called the Contra code. Like exactly. we just called it that. Hey, you know the Contra code? And But I also found some people that refer to it as the 30 lives code because, of course, that's how many lives you are getting. But that does bring up a good uh, point of discussion there. Mr. Brian, you said you never defeated the Contra game. I have, but only using the 30 lives code, the Contra code. Mark, have you played Contra and have you beat the game? If you have not, why? Why yeah, did so, you not defeat the game? So I beat the game, uh, but not by myself. I had a So you uh, guys are both way better than me is what you're saying. Hmm. Yeah, basically. Sounds like it. Um, Let's just establish the themes early. Um, so, I mean, I had a buddy of mine and, and we were probably borderline obsessed with with contra for way too long um and you know especially you start to get into that game you get the different weapon types right and then it becomes a challenge you're trying to 
you know, pick up the different types before your buddy, but you're also trying to help each other. So there's that co-op, but still a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a competition going on. Um, but I can't pretend it's easy. I mean, I think that's some of the, the, the crazy thing to think about some of, well, maybe a theme with all these NES games is as simple as they may be and going back and looking at them, it doesn't mean they're easy games. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to think I was a pretty smart kid, but, but man, you go back now and you try and play the same games and you're like, wow, like there's a lot more challenge there than I think I remembered as a kid, especially when you look at more modern games now. Um, but no, Contra is a classic. I mean, that's a, that's an automatic classic. It, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the best for a reason. Sounds like we both approve of Brian's number three. Mark, what is your number three? So for number three, I've got Kung Fu. Yes. So I yes. See, so I this was uh, this was one of the original uh, NES games that came out. Hi. So for me, and wonderful sound effects there. This was actually the first NES game that I ever played as a kid. So I think you know this one for me has that special heart tug because. I remember going to a neighbor's house across the street and, you know, I had played some older systems, but the first time I saw the NES, you know, he's like, I got to show you this game, Kung Fu. And, you know, it's so funny. You look back at it now and you're like, wow, that's very simple, very straightforward. But at the time it was just, it was mind blowing. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to go back and look. So, you know, it came out in 1985. Um, I didn't realize it was actually an arcade game before it came out on the NES. So it was actually released in the arcades in 1984. Um, and it was actually initially released in Japan and it was a completely different game title. It was called Spartan X and it was a tie-in to a Jackie Chan film. So it was called <laughs> Wheels on Meals, but it was distributed under Spartan <laughs> X in Japan, right? Um, but I guess there was no bearing, you know, to the actual film itself or the plot. So, you know, they were kind of able to distribute it by just changing the title. But, um, but you know, it, it sold three and a half million copies. It was the 13th highest selling NES game of all time. So, I mean, obviously it had some some staying power, you know, to, to be one of the top ones, but to continue to sell considering just like we've talked about all the different games that we've, you know, kind of had to sift through to pick our top three. Um, but, you know, I, I think um, when you look at that game, it does have the level of simplicity. So you've got the five levels of the castle that you had to go through as a kid. I always thought it was like, you know, you think karate, you think like a dojo, but you know, technically on the back of the box art, it references a castle. So it's the castle. And then you had the the different, you know, general bad guys, like the gripper, who's always who I call like the generic guy. There's just the generic guy that you punch, and he's like the first guy you see. You had the knife thrower, the Tom Tom brothers. I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was like the ah, little guys nice. that look like twins, right? And then, it, I don't know if you remember, but every single floor had its own boss. So the mm -hmm. first floor, you had the stick fighter, right? And then the second floor, the boomerang fighter. And then the third floor was the giant. So that was like the, the gigantic guy that, you know, you haven't seen anybody that size the whole game. Then you get up to the black magician and then obviously, you know, you finish, finish it off with, with Mr. X. Um, but yeah, Kung Fu is a classic. 
Good pick there, Mark. Uh, Brian, sounds like you're a big fan. Your thoughts on Mark's selection of Kung Fu and number three. I, I also could relate because I think that might have been the either the first or second game I ever owned. And so cheers to you, Mark, for picking that game. Um, Clink. But, and I remember way after the fact, like after being an adult and watching, if you guys remember the movie, it was a Bruce Lee movie called, uh, I think it was called The Game of Death. Mm-hmm. We had a he had a battle the different levels. Do you guys remember that? And like at the end, he had a, he had like to go up, and I think at the end he had to fight like a Kareem Abdul Jabbar or something. But I remember watching the movie. And I was like, "This is Kung Fu, the video game." Like they were, <laughs> you know, like because remember you had to go up each level, right, and fight yep. a, a harder guy. And I remember just playing that all the time. Like I just like I remember you hit down and B and leg sweep. Lake sweep, mm-hmm. lake sweep. Yeah, you know. So, yep. Yeah, super fun game. And it, I mean, when Mark, when did you say that came out again? So yeah, on know. NES, it was 1985, October 18th of 1985. So I, I think it was one of the original, like what 20 or 50, 30 games or whatever. Because I even remember yeah. the the way the um, logo looked. It was like that generic Nintendo logo before they started yeah. getting all like a uh, fancy with them. Like it just so like, his his name cra- was Thomas. Thomas the Kung Fu Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> yep, and you had to save his girlfriend Sylvia from the mysterious crime boss yeah. Mr. X. They sound like they're both from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, it sounds like you probably beat the Kung Fu game. You conquered the Kung Fu game. Yeah, that was one. I mean, I think, you know, once once my neighbor had it, I'm pretty sure I stayed over at his house even after they tried to kick me out and <laughs> hide up in his room and play. And they're like, Damn, time for dinner. And I'm just up there and, you know, my buddy's house and got to be Kung Fu. And, and Brian, I'm guessing you never beat it. No, unfortunately, I, I thought I was really good at Nintendo, but it sounds like I was not good because <laughs> I don't remember ever beating that game either. So I'm just I, a completionist. That's all. Yeah. And I, I am, I'm not. <laughs> I remember the game. I, I believe it's difficult for me to recall if I owned it or not. I think that I did own the game. I do remember the knife throwing guy. I know that I did Hi. not complete the game. I did not finish the game. Yeah, he was a pain. Cheers to you, Nobody Mark. The you're, you're the champion of us. All right, boys and girls, it's time for my number three. That's right. Contra. I picked Contra as well. I love that game. It is obviously because it's in my top three, but little fun fact here. This will be the only game in my top three that I did not own. Ah. I did not own this game. And to be honest with you, really? if I had to make a list of my top 20 games, it would be the only one in my top 20 that I did not own. So wow. here's, and here's why I think, and you guys hit on this earlier. It's the two player factor. One, that's one aspect that makes it so fun. It's one of the very few games that you're both on the screen at the same time. And you're, you're trying to achieve the same goal working together. So I played this game constantly at my friend's homes. And I think by the time that I was on, you know, my awareness of this game, or all of a sudden my need to own the game, came about you I couldn't find it anywhere I couldn't find any anywhere and typically in my house like we would typically only get games it it wasn't like you know you'd go to some friends that just had every game 
that was not my house. Like most of the time we just got games at birthday, Christmas, you know, the, the two major gift giving holidays. And so I think that Contra just fit into that window of by the time I was playing it so much, it was not readily available. And then once it may have come available, I'd moved on by that point, but all my friends had it. We played it constantly. I beat it many times, Brian. Ouch. Um, for those who may not know, because there could be people younger than us listening to this and they don't know what Contra is. Contra is Look primarily a run and gun style shoot 'em up game. The series debuted in 1987 uh, as an arcade game by the same title, which Correct. was followed by the release of Super Contra in 1988. But one thing that I liked about Contra, and I think there was was something that was interesting too, was that it didn't always have the same gameplay style from from uh, board to board, if that's what you want to call them. So yes. you might be going side to side, you know, that side scroll. Yeah, the left to right, yeah. And then they they actually had like 3D where you're advancing deeper into the picture uh, for some of the alien bases because that's what you were you were doing. It was two guys that was they were attempting to save Earth from like an alien invasion or these aliens. Um, Side note, Nick, if you can name if you can name the two guys, I will give you twelve dollars. Okay, it's Bill Riser and Lance Bean. God. And uh, Bill Riser was actually named Nintendo Power's 17th favorite video game hero, which is a real kick in the nads to Lance Bean, right? Like, Bill gets nominated 17th. <laughs> Lance didn't even make the list. Yeah, so so think about that. You're the number two guy, Lance Bean. Uh, A, you get stuck with the last name Bean, and you get bumped way down the list. Plus, side note, I just lost $12. How sad well, is it that I've beat that game and I never knew who the characters were? And those sound like the least heroic names I've ever heard of in my entire life. I don't know. I, I like Bill Reiser, but Lance Bean sounds like he works for L.L. Bean's cousin. I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. It feels like to me that maybe in the meeting that somebody came up with the cool name of Lance Reiser. And they're like, well... We got no other ideas. Let's take the cool Lance and, and make him Lance Bean. <laughs> we'll go with Bill Riser. Sounds like they had two minutes left in the meeting and they were like, all right, quick, guys, we need something. We got one. What's the other one? And Bean, go. All right, everybody have a good one. Well, and Nick, kind of funny, I was because when I was looking at this stuff, early on when they first developed the game, they talked about it being like a future game. So it was like it was supposed to be set in like 2633 or something. Um, and they were I like, I think I saw something that says yeah, it's like the, in the, the 27th century or yeah, something. They're trying to like, uh, I'm even looking at some of my notes here. Uh, they're trying to defeat the evil red Falcon organization in New Zealand or something like very abstract, weird area. Um, <laughs> but then like later on, they kind of transitioned away from that and said, no, it's in the jungle and it's happening right now. So that's why it's kind of odd. Like you sometimes, if you, if you think that the game now, there was like these weird like alien things, but then other mm-hmm. times it was just random dudes. That you're shooting. Just guys. Yeah. yeah. Like soldiers. Um, I, I always believed that those soldiers were meant to be like some kind of robot soldier. Um, and I, I would guess that the, it's a commando style game. So I'm sure that yeah. the, the general theme may have shifted or, or the time period anyway, shifted uh, from game to game. Cause they had multiple games in the series, but 
the discussion regarding Contra that I would like to have with you two gentlemen is the main power-ups in the game were like falcon-shaped letter icons, which yep. will replace the player's default weapon with a new one. Now, the more memorable power-ups are, to me anyway, are the machine gun. And then in my hood, there was always some debate as to what is the best gun one could possess. Some liked the laser gun, while others preferred the spread gun. Mark, you're on the hot seat. Laser gun, spread gun. Spread gun all day. Nailed it. I mean, you could you could hit so many different enemies with that one. Plus, it gave you versatility. Plus, you could have crappy aim and still kill people. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a perfect combination. All I wanted was spread gun all day long. I would I would run around and flip around and just shoot spread gun. <laughs> Game over. So I will say that I will admit that I experienced some real sadness some real true sadness when you are in possession of the spread gun and you die because when you start back up yeah no oh! spread gun. yep okay, but that was so part I, of the appeal right right so i love the spread gun as well definitely would choose spread gun however i do want to kind of end on this note for uh the discussion on the 3d boards when you're trying to advance deeper into the board like those were like the bases that you were attempting to get deeper and deeper into the base that laser gun was so strong. Like it would blow through walls and it would tear things down. Exactly. Yeah. At, at an accelerated rate because of the, the strength of the, the laser. Yeah. It was powerful. So, all right, boys. Hang on. Just to, because apparently I'm the only one that couldn't beat that game. Contra voted by gaming website IGN, number one toughest game to beat. Really? Well, wow. it would be without the code. Exactly. I've never exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Without using the code, I, I would only get like past the second board. Yeah, so just so give me give me a little little help no, here. We yeah. we all beat it using the code. You played with the code too. You couldn't beat it. I'd love to hear from the person who beat it without using the code and have them walk us through the strategy because there's got to be some serious strategy not he, to he, use the code and beat that probably, game. He has thumbs like uh, you know, Donkey Kong, just... That's Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's worth uh, $1 trillion now, yes. All right, moving on, gentlemen. We are at number two. Nobody likes number two, or maybe everybody likes number two. Brian, you are up first. Oh, all right. For number two, this was a tough one, but I'm going to go with Mike Tyson's punch out boom. Nice. Let me let me, dig, let me dig into this one a little bit here because I'm not talking about old regular punch out that everyone else played. I had the original Mike Tyson's punch out. And if anyone's hip to that, there was it was only like a 2-year period where they had Mike Tyson's punch out and then I think Mike Tyson chose to remove his name or the company chose to remove themselves from Mike Tyson because he went a little off the chain there. Um, but we actually own that game and I, who knows where it disappeared to now. I wish I had that copy. It, that was one of the funnest games me and my brother played. We, I mean, even at, we, I did beat that game, Mark, just so you know. Um, but fun game, different characters, Little couple of little tidbits here. Who was the referee there, Nick? 
Mario. Nailed it. <clears throat> a little tidbit that you Good probably... A, t- a tidbit you did not know. So, do you guys remember Soda Popinski? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was pretty far down the line. I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth guy. So, early on, his original name was... Because he's a Russian guy. You guys remember, right? Russian? Right. Yep, absolutely. His, his original name was Vodka Drunkinsky. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, one and thing it's it, interesting about Punch-Out is there are some, like... <laughs> like uh, racial slurs in oh, the yeah. game. You it's know? not. It's not very PC. No the 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 Russian guy was originally named Vodka Drunkinsky, and you know they changed it to Soda Popinsky. And then we also have, um, there was Honda Piston Honda. Yes. So he's from yep. Tokyo, and there was some jabs in there for the Japanese as well in this game. So not a very good PC game, but it's super fun, super fun game, and. Uh, it did have, I think it was just meant to add a little bit of comic relief. Um, I, I remember the, when you're in your corner between rounds, your, your trainer is trying to, you know, talk you up or give, sometimes he would give you hints as to how to beat your opponent. His name was doc. So doc would talk, but he didn't like speak in words. You would read the words that would come typed out on your screen. And he was like, classic NES. No, I think everybody remembers Glass Joe, the first guy you fight in that game that made you feel like a superhero. And, and, and then you got was, the Von Kaiser, the, uh, Mark, the German. Yeah. Mark, where was Glass Joe from? Well, he was a mock, I think, of a uh, Parisian from, uh, from France. France. <laughs> yeah. So and, and, we're talking yeah. about the stereotypes. Yeah, they uh, tried to throw one in there. But I, I think, you know, you beat him and you're like feeling good about life, right? And then you go ahead and you're like, who's next? I got this. Von Kaiser. Well, it just got a little more challenging. Right? Well, you, so, could, and, you, you could fire through these characters and look at the racial stuff real fast and it gets very interesting. But yes. yeah, I mean, but the challenge, I, th- I feel like upped immediately, right? I mean, it, and everybody had that little tick. And if you didn't know what that tick was that, that you know, made that guy go, you were going to struggle in that game. So it, it's kind of funny. It's one of those games that it, it kind of made you recognize patterns and then take advantage of that. So did either one of you guys, you remember like if you got to a certain level and it would show that crazy long code? Yeah. Like did, did any of you guys remember writing that down? Yes. Yes. I did so not. I did too. And I remember like we had notebooks and it'd be like, Five seven X and it, and it wasn't like seven letters. It was like forty eight characters, and it changed every time. Yeah, but so like because you would get you would beat the third boss, and we would write it down like, oh, we got to save that. We're never going to get this far, and we had that written on notebooks. And then we just, I mean, think about that now. The kids would never sit down and write down a thirty eight character password or whatever you want to call it. Right. And that was kind of fun. Like, so there were three circuits and you were trying to beat and win each circuit. And when you would win a circuit, it would give you that code. Like it would show you training for your next circuit and it would give you the code. And so you didn't have to start at the very beginning because the game in itself, it would wear you down like mentally. Like if you tried to play from mm-hmm. Glass Joe all the way to Mike Tyson, who was later replaced by Mr. Dream. Correct. If you tried to go from start to finish, it would wear you down mentally to where if you could start from 
the beginning of the second circuit or the beginning of the third, you would stand a much better chance of finishing the game. You beat the game is what you're saying, Brian. Yes. I well, have never beat Mike Tyson's punch out. See, and it's kind of funny because I think you know you mentioned that with a with an eight bit game wearing you down, but it's almost like the sport that it represented, right? I mean, boxing in and of itself is meant to be a grueling kind of a grind, it's and that's sweet, actually what that game time. ended up being. So I've got a question for both of you guys. So who was your hardest opponent, and who was your easiest one? And I, obviously, you can't take the first and the last. You can't go Glass Joe, and you can't go Mike Tyson. I'll defer to can you, you guys. Re- can you guys remember? Uh, so that's very difficult for me because I was trying to look up the order of the guys because I couldn't remember the order that they went. Because the difficult thing with remembering the order is some of the fighters you fight twice. Yeah, like Piston Hodden, you would fight twice, and I think uh, even I think Bald Bull, you'd fight twice. Mm-hmm. So Bald Bull is actually my top choice for the hardest. I mean, that guy was, and maybe it was just because I remember fighting him the second time, but he was he was definitely the hardest. I feel like Don Flamenco was the easiest one once you got outside of that Glass Joe first, you know, first round. King Hippo was was fairly easy as well once you figured him out. Um, so I would say he was probably the easiest for me not picking on the two easy of guys bald bull was probably my favorite of the fighters on there and yeah you fought him twice i i hated him as much as i liked him um same with soda popinski but i tried to find the order of the fighters and i couldn't do that and if i remember correctly the furthest i ever got in the game was to super macho man who i I believe is right before Mr. Sandman, who is right before Mike Tyson. I I don't recall if that's the order. Nick, but. you are correct. And and actually, w- w- when I give mine, I can give you the list of the uh, the fellows. So I never got past Super Macho Man, and I did read somewhere, and I can't remember who or where I got this this opinion from, but it was that Mike Tyson. The last fight in the game is noted as one of the hardest bosses in all of video game history. No, I, 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 I not only experienced that, but yes, I, I read that as well. That they made it very hard to beat him. Like it was purposely hard. Like if you're going to beat Mike Tyson, you better know what you're doing. Yeah, I'd be curious if there's anybody that beat Mike Tyson on the first attempt. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. It took us. I mean probably weekends and weekends and like probably a summer at one point for us to do it. But going, go ahead, Nick. What was great about that game though, too, is that you would learn from your friends. You know, you'd be like, Oh, I, I got to King hippo. I couldn't beat him. Oh, you couldn't beat him. It's simple. You have to do this. You know, you, you punch him in the mouth. (laughs) And then when he's, when his, when he drops his belly, you punch him in the stomach, you know, it, each guy had a kind of method for beating them. And if you didn't know the recipe for that, you, some of these guys you didn't really stand much a chance against. And that's what I loved, not only about Nintendo, but about this game is that's what made it fun. You could have a discussion and you would think you know what you're doing and you have a buddy say, no, all you got to do is go left, right, up, B, uppercut. That's where you do a punch to the gut or whatever. And it, it brought people together too. All right. So let, let me go back to my easiest and hardest fighters. So, 
easiest fighter besides the the knuckleheads, I thought actually was Soda Popinski was the easiest fighter. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Like when I I could get to him and I'd be like, I could walk through this guy, no problem. Wow. Check out the set on Brian, man. Hey, man. The guy doesn't saying, beat games. He was easy. <laughs> I'm saying he he was like easy. I mean, unless you're talking about the first three or four, he was the easiest one I could get through. Hardest one actually was Mr. Sandman. Yeah. He was tough. Yeah. But if you want so let me fire through the order real fast for you, Nick, just to refresh your memory. I so, would like that, yes. So Glass Joe. Vaughn, Before you move on, I want to yeah. point out here, Glass Joe is listed at 110 pounds with a boxing record of 1 in 99. Yeah. Is he really? Well, yeah. Wow, I don't plus, remember that. Plus, plus, you never want your nickname to be Glass Joe. I mean, that's just... That's true. That's just bad marketing, really. That's why we all felt good and went on to the next level. Yeah. Glass Joe. Number two, Von Kaiser. Just so you know, he's from Germany. Von Kaiser, he had the beautiful mustache... He's listed as 42 years old on his card when they give <laughs> the little him. stats. Of that, 42 <laughs> years old. So I had to look this up, and I remember this from the 90s. George Foreman was the oldest to become the boxing champion. Uh, in 1994, he was 45 years of age. So I guess Von Kaiser still had a good three years left. <laughs> hey, he was still good, man. Yeah. Number three, Piston Honda. Number four, Don Flamenco. There he is, the bullfighter. Yeah. From Madrid, Spain. But can I just throw in real quick? He was the guy that taunted. So maybe he's also why I enjoyed him being one of the easier guys besides Glass Joe. Yeah. Because he threw ro- the taunts at you and, and he, he felt good in, giving him yeah, the uppercut. Yeah, the rose in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then you move on to King Hippo. Now, of course, some of these you reset back to like Piston Hot and Honda. You fight a second time, but this is the order of them. After that, remember the Great Tiger? Mm-hmm. Yep. Teleportation. An Indian boxer wearing the uh, thing on his head. I'm I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Okay, sorry. We're going to get it wrong. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Uh, um, bald Bull. It's a hijab. Thank you. Thank you. Soda Popinski, also known as Vodka Drunkinski. Mr. Sandman. Super Macho Man. See, which even though he was the second hardest, I didn't think he was that difficult. Then Mr. Mike Tyson, also known as Mr. Dream. So I had the order incorrect then because I remember losing to Super Macho Man, never, never beating Super Macho Man. But I never recall playing ever even playing Mr. Sandman. So I don't know how I have that memory in the bank, but see, it's the opposite. I, I don't remember. I don't remember fighting super macho, man. I remember Mr. Sandman. Cause he had that uppercut or the three uppercut move. That was like, you know, it, it would end your day, but I, I don't remember super macho, man. So it, it's funny. The memories you, you carry on from some of these. Yeah. All right, Mark, your number two, please. So, with the number two, I've got Super Mario Brothers 3. Yes. So, yeah, this um, this was the third highest selling NES game of all time. And honestly, it's not a surprise. I think this is the one, you know, I mean, I think like a lot of people that, you know, grew up when we did, I think Super Mario Brothers was the first one you played. 
Um, it kind of set the stage. It was like the foundation. You kind of got a feel for it. Um, I, I could be wrong. You guys could disagree with me here. I feel like the second one came out and I feel like people liked it. I liked it, but I didn't love it. It wasn't, you know, there was some cool stuff that was thrown in, but I wasn't, you know, over the moon about it. But I remember distinctly as a kid, just like salivating over the moment that Super Mario Brothers 3 was going to come out mm-hmm. and then starting to see some of the screenshots and see some of the stuff. And it, it's funny looking back. I mean, I, you know, I looked at some screenshots and you're like, man, the graphics back then. Wow. Amazing. Right. right? But, um, but no, that was by far my most highly anticipated game as a kid coming out. And I think that maybe is why it, it you know, kind of hits me in a, in a soft spot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the interesting thing is, so I said it's the third highest selling game of all time. So Super Mario Brothers, the original, is number one. So that is the number sense. one selling NES game of all time. Who can guess what the number two is? The number two most selling NES game of all time. Let me, while I think through this, I, I'm going to kind of expand on those other thoughts, right? Absolutely. So the first one is Super Mario Brothers, which makes sense because at some point the game came with the Nintendo console. So mm-hmm. it was almost like it when I purchased, when, I, when my parents purchased the Nintendo for me, <laughs> it came with Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Um, so I would give, I would think duck hunt's got to be pretty high on the list since it's coming with the console at some point. Number two, you want to take a stab at it, Brian? I do not. All well, right. good, Nick, because you guessed it. It is Duck Hunt. <laughs> it's Duck Hunt? <laughs> it's Duck Hunt. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because I wonder if the fact that it bundled with the, the console is the reason that it was the number two. Who did the sales? Yeah, well, absolutely. Me, do you guys, because most of the times it was a dual game, right? It was like t- the mm-hmm. two and one, yeah. Yeah, it's like what's Robin without Batman? You know, I mean, you know, is he as popular? Probably not. So couple, sorry to all those Robin about- fans out there. A couple of things about the Mario Ow. Brothers games for Nintendo. Um, one, the first game, just iconic. Like you said, the number one selling game of all time. Number two, you're right. It's like it w- was released and nobody knew that it happened. Um, yep. And then the third game, you were so eager to get it. I was very eager to get it too. Do you think in some way that your eagerness to get the game was because of the movie The Wizard? Oh, good remember game. the movie, the wizard, which great, which, uh, great movie. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Fred Savage, and Fred Savage, brother, yep. like they like run away from home to compete <laughs> in some kind of Nintendo game throwdown that's going on. And the movie is essentially an hour and a half commercial for super Mario brothers three that has not come out yet, but was soon to be released. Remember because they're yeah. like up next for the, for the championship of the Nintendo championship of 19, whatever we are going to play a game that has never been played before. And then they, they, I don't remember if they dropped the curtain or what, but it's super Mario brothers three. And I remember sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, Holy crap. Super Mario brothers three is coming out and you can, you can make Mario like look like a raccoon that can fly. I don't even know what that was. (laughs) Nice. I was wondering if you remember the suits. Yeah, it's yeah. well, and, and think about it. I mean, you know, in that time period, th- there wasn't even like, I mean, A, there's no, you know, 
I'm going to date myself here. There's no internet, right? I mean, there's not to the extent where you're looking stuff up online. I mean, when you saw something like that, that was the marketing tool. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, you know? And I think also, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, at that point when that came out, I was, you know, nine years old. Um, when you have that type of anticipation for a game, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's a pretty exciting time as a kid to have something like that come out. So and I, I, the fact that you even dropped the wizard mo- movie, that is huge. Nice. Uh, not only did I, cause to me, that's what fueled my love for super Mario three, but also it fueled my knowledge for, if you guys remember the power glove, Oh, the old power glove. Do you guys remember that? Didn't last long, but yeah. <laughs> and I think it was actually a train wreck, but in that, in that movie, like the, the bad guy was had a, the Nintendo Power Glove. Remember that thing you mm-hmm. put on your mm-hmm. hand? And he was like controlling it with his hand. And I was like, holy crap, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Think and, about the genius of a marketing exec that says, oh, let's yeah. put our new VR before VR type yeah. console I, controller and, I mean, and it was, in a I mean, movie. When, yeah. When was that movie released? Anybody know? That's a good question. So the game came out February twelfth, nineteen ninety, in the U.S. So, it so actually. The, so the movie was probably eighty nine or eighty eight, even. So I didn't know this, and maybe you guys know this. It actually, so Super Mario three came out in Japan in October of eighty eight. Yeah, a lot of so times. Re- yeah, go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. It, it released there, you know, almost a year and a half earlier, which I didn't realize. Um, but again, you know, even then, you know, it released in Japan. It's not like we had a, a stream of, you know, let's go watch Super Mario 3 while Japan players play it while we, yeah. you know, wait for it to come out. So, well, and, and if you remember, like to kind of piggyback on, if you remember Super Mario 2, so it was like, it, Super Mario was awesome. Super Mario 2 was like, whoa, new stuff. There's new characters and like, you know, some of them can fly and some of them can do stuff. And then Super Mario 3 had all these different like attributes. Like you may even remember you would finish a level and then you'd hit that thing and get a piece and then you'd do yeah. like the uh like the roulette uh yep. not rule not roulette, like slot machine kind of thing. Yeah, it was like live. collection cards. Yeah, I mean I just to me that was just amazing. I mean that was to me it was new. I mean, I don't well, know yeah. if that was the first game that did it, but I was like, Whoa, what is this stuff that we're doing here? Well, and you had like Toad's shop where you could go in and, you know, you pick one of the three chests and it gave you exactly. a certain amount of mushrooms or whatever it was. And you yeah. got extra lives based upon that. So literally, when you're progressing through the game, you know, by doing that roulette, like you said, you literally get to extend your game. And as a kid, it's like getting extra quarters at the arcade. Oh, yeah. You're like, this is sweet. No, they, they, they knew what they were doing. But yeah, I love that. I mean, that's like yeah. market. That was my close, close number four for that game. I, I yeah. love that game. Yeah, I always loved games that had side games, little games within the game itself. And Mario 3 did that so incredibly well. So, but the big question is, Mark, did you defeat Bowser and save the princess? So I'm going to stay consistent here. I did. Um, and the funny thing is Bastard. when I went and looked back, I knew Brian did and I won't even ask him. When I went and looked <laughs> back, I didn't realize that the, the seven different kingdoms that you went through were all of Bowser Bowser's kids. I forgot that that's right. who the bosses were of all those different houses. But yes, I did. And, and it's funny, actually, one tidbit I saw because I went and looked up um, the old school manual. 
right? And I, and I went to uh, to a website and checked it out, and it was it was basically scanned into the website because you could see like the rips on the page and look like a nine year old probably owned it, right? But <laughs> but in the manual where it shows all the kids, there's a quote right in the middle of all the kids that are standing in a circle around Bowser, and it says, "We just love being mean." And I'm like, damn, <laughs> I don't remember that as a kid, but, uh, Bowser's family needs some uh, therapy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Intervention. <laughs> so for everyone out there, the, the level of vanity here, I I'm going to go ahead and point this out. Mark has only defeated three Nintendo games in his life and he put all three of them on his <laughs> well. list today. today. I'd Ryan, say something, but it would, it would tip my next game. Did you save the princess? I did not, but wah, but, wah, but, wah. but but I expressed my love to her very deeply from from far away. I have how many defeated, levels far away? Uh, a good one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I was not good at video games, and now that it's coming out, I'm very, apparently had no hand eye coordination. So. I did beat Super Mario Brothers 3. I know that I did not defeat the second one, and I cannot recall if I ever beat the first one. I know that I can recall getting very far in the first one, but I know that the second one was difficult for me, and I I believe that I played the third one much, much more than the other two, and I do know that I defeated that game. I loved Super Mario Brothers 3. Good pick, Mark. Now for... My number two, I have. That's right. That's Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh, yeah, Betty. And I swear I did not copy off of your paper. You guys are like twins. <laughs> I, well, oh, wait, no, Brian can't beat games. That's right. Never mind. Well, but, but Nick, uh, it's very interesting because I feel like when I was filling out my stuff, like there was like this weird, like, like visual presence that you were just like looking through my window. So, Hmm. Go ahead. So when I initially wrote down, like off the top of my head, top three punch out and Contra didn't make it on there. It was until I did a little more searching and a little more soul searching that the two made it on the list. And I, I believe that it's because those two games standalone one are so good. And I also started thinking about the amount of time that I put into playing a certain game. <laughs> I don't know that I spent more time playing any game more so than punch out punch out for me was the ultimate one player game. Uh, I loved, and I loved the opponents I think was my favorite thing about the game was the actual characters that were involved. And Brian, thank you for going through those earlier for us. I do want to point out a couple things that, that you didn't mention though. Little Mac is our hero in the game. He's he's That's a right. little guy who has to take on all these big fighters. And his trainer's name, you pointed out, Doc, but his full name is Jerome Doc Lewis. Oh. And his backstory is that Doc is a former heavyweight boxing champion who stands in Mac's corner during fights. And as I said earlier, between rounds, he provides Mac with advice and encouragement. Um. The characters by far, I also loved that theme song and I loved the song of when he's training between the circuits. So I looked this up. The theme song for punch out is titled look sharp, be sharp March. It's the, you know, it's like such an old Hmm. song that it's called the look sharp, be sharp March. It was the theme to some kind of (laughs) 
radio program, sports program back in the day that eventually became a TV program. Well, and it's very interesting because I think also Mark uh, gets dressed to that in the morning. <laughs> right. And <laughs> it, was, it was featured in the 1980 boxing film Raging Bull. Now, the, the game itself uh, was published by Nintendo. It was an actual Nintendo game. Uh, it came out in 1987, and as we all know, years later, it was rebranded as simply Punch-Out! And this is when, I guess there was some kind of contract dispute, eventually, between Tyson and Nintendo, or he gets arrested and thrown in prison, and they don't want to have his name all over their brand anymore. I'm sure, so, I'm sure it was either that or Don King got involved. Yeah, so he he was replaced with Mr. Dream, and it was retitled as simply as Punch-Out. So, very interesting, guys. Through our number two, Brian and I have each picked a game, one that we have defeated, one that we did not defeat, but we managed to pick the same two games in the same order. Mark is only selecting games that he has defeated, and so that brings (laughs) us to our number one Brian, you are up. What is your number one oh, Nintendo game and of all this, time? This one was actually easy because just maybe maybe the greatest sports game ever. Tecmo Super Bowl. Boom. Good pick. Nice Good choice. Pick. So uh, anyone that's familiar with Nintendo probably played... Tecmo Bowl, which was the original version, and that was a super fun game. And then when this thing came out, just blew the doors off of it. I mean, on multiple levels, it was amazing. Uh, it actually, I actually, I, I had to look this up. I didn't know it. It's the first and only Nintendo game to be licensed by the NFL. So th- the fact that the NFL said, go ahead, use our players and our team names which actually has probably led to the whole Madden thing. I mean, if you really think about that, the NFL said, go ahead, run with it. And that's what we loved. I mean, you could play, and I don't know if you guys remember, the best players on the game were Mr. Bo Jackson and Mr. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you said that because I didn't realize that the initial game was, uh, was only licensed by the NFL PA. So the players licensed the original Tecmo Bowl, but the Tecmo Super Bowl, like you said, um, was yeah. licensed by both NFL and NFLPA. And, yeah. and that's why, if you remember, the first one was like it had generic team names and, ju- and just had numbers for players. But then the second one, like, and that's when we loved it because we were like, oh, I can be Reggie White or I can be uh, uh, even uh, like some of the best, like they actually ranked the players and skill level and attributes and all this stuff. And I mean, my brother and I played that game till it exploded. I mean, it was it kept stats. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was amazing. Yep. So, like, I would I would be the uh, Eagles and be uh, Reggie White, and I'd be like, oh, I had seventy eight sacks, <laughs> <laughs> button mashing at his best. Yeah, I'd be like, just oh. throw the guy off. Yeah. Be like, oh, like, or I'd have a like seventy thousand touchdowns. I'd be like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's an average season for Bo Jackson, right? You know, which I have to say, like, you gotta you gotta give a tip of the cap to the Nintendo controller makers because how many kids, you know, at a young age, smashed the hell out of the buttons and the controller on those consoles? I don't know if I ever had to replace a controller ever, right? Agreed. 
I mean, that's Did you that's ever good throw a controller. Yeah. Um, I threw a controller one time. The the most angry I ever got playing a game, I threw it at the console. Like yikes! That, you're about to ruin your whole life, son. R- rookie, did you know, it run it, better though after it hit the console? I mean, maybe it, the game started. It, you know, <laughs> the games, the game reset, and it like flashed and flashed and flashed for a while. And it, my, of course, my initial reaction is, "Oh no, I just broke my Nintendo." Yep. I'm not getting a new one. And then you did the harmonica and the, uh, (laughs) I unplugged it, put it back in. And, but you're right. I think that there needs to be some kudos that goes out to the makers of Nintendo because the durability of the controller was fascinating. Well, and and Nick, I literally, I have an original in Nintendo and two original controllers and they work completely fine. I mean, so they're, that's amazing. They're, they're 30, what? Six years old. Yeah, trying to try getting that out of out of an iPhone. Well, and, yeah. and my, <laughs> my point actually is so, throttled. <laughs> so so I have a I have a six year old nephew and he still plays Super Tech Mobile. He likes that yeah. game. So he comes That's over and plays it. And you know, he's beats the hell out of the controllers and pounds on the buttons and it still works great. C- a couple side little tips here. So first one, just so you guys know. ESPN ranked Super Tecmo Bowl the greatest ga- sports game of all time. Not surprised. Okay. Okay. So that that's a that's a, that's a decent award. You gotta you gotta roll with that yeah. one. Uh, there's another fun fact that if I could find it. While you're looking up your fun fact, I want to okay. bring up a couple of things with uh, Super Tecmo Bowl. So, Proceed. Did you only play against your friends, or did you actually sit down and do a season? If so, did you defeat the game? Did you good, win a world? Good question. So yes. So a by myself, I would do a full season, but we would actually, as we got older in life, so maybe high school, we would set up a Nintendo, and three or four of us would pick a team, and we would play a full season in in like a given night, and you all could, on the same team, take no, turns playing. No, no, we would each pick our own team. Oh. So wow, we, and then what we would do is so you, you remember if you could you could uh, like skip the other games, yeah. So like uh, me, my buddy Fish, my buddy Gamble, uh, my buddy Ruther, we would each pick a team, and we'd and then if we if we have happened to play each other, we would play and we would play a full season, and see who was the champion. And it was like the most fun we could have with you know, without getting arrested. <laughs> So the, the crazy thing about that is that there's actually still sites today that update the rosters to current day rosters with current right. stats and ratings exactly. and hold tournaments. Right. I mean, Mark. that shows you the staying power of that game to be able to continue to bring people back now, even when you've got a game like Madden, which, you know, as debated as it is about people that love it, people that hate it, you know, it's amazing that a game like that can still can still hold its weight. So, Mark, I actually I, I saw in 2016 they actually had 26 national tournaments. Wow! For Super or Tecmo Super Bowl that I could find. Now think about all the local tournaments, but they had national yeah. tournament 26 of them. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, and it's I still I again I, I told you guys I have a Nintendo hooked up downstairs. The game that's in the box right now. Tecmo Super Bowl. We're going to have to set a game up. I can see it happening. 
I mean, I, my thoughts are we do a high stakes game, $12,000. Let's go. I'm already playing with $12 house money. I know. <laughs> I, I, all right, so I see you, another you, theme forming. Yeah. You, 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 we'll, 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 we'll cover your $12 buy-in and then just bring the other amount of cash. We'll be good. Were you guys like me? Did you find yourself like that game had so many stars in it, just like the real NFL, that I would typically play. I had a handful of teams that I kind of bounced around with. You know, like I you you were rattling yeah. off some good teams and some players you like. Christian Okoye was yes. really good on there. The um, the Nigerian nightmare uh, for the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, th- I think one thing that was so great about that game was the two-player. Sitting down with your buddy, going head-to-head, facing off with each other. And with some of the stats you just rattled off, it's almost curious that they don't – why don't they just make a Tecmo Super Bowl for Nintendo Switch – 2020 like why does it why does that just not why is that not a thing like so they have they actually there's a version that's out for uh it came out for xbox i i don't want to quote the year because i i I can't recite it off the top of my head but it's it's probably within the past five years but it's a version of a tecmo super bowl uh obviously minus the licensing but in that version it's got updated graphics and you can actually switch to retro graphics in the game now The way that I look at it is, and this is probably pretty telling to the trend in sports games today, is I feel like without the licenses, without the players, without the teams, it really loses its appeal. And I think the reason that people are so drawn to the Tecmo Super Bowl is the fact that it did have your favorite team, right? Or a team that you followed as a kid. You know, and I think that's really what what kind of gave you that that thing, which is kind of funny because if you look at the cover of that game, there was some random dirty guy on the cover who I'm pretty yeah. sure was not a professional football player well, in any means, and even you probably know, the Mark, marketing director for that game. And but, but Mark, he he <laughs> had he had a offensive he had an offensive lineman mask. I like that even more. Like that's like true. It, it, it was it wasn't a wide receiver, a quarterback. It was an offensive lineman mask. And, and maybe I'll stand corrected and somebody will correct me that that actually was a, a player, but I would think they would have picked somebody else. But it's funny now the phenomenon with cover stars when it comes to Madden, right, and how big a deal it is to be able to see people, yeah. you know, get that that honor. So No, I agree because I think – and sorry to cut you off, Nick, is that like that was the draw to us. Like we could play the other versions and it was just, all right, you're number 35 and he's fast, but – like I would be like, I just scored on you with Bo Jackson, yeah. you know, or I just sacked Aww. you with Reggie white, or I just did right. this. And then if you play a version, that's not that, even if it's implied that it's, cause I don't know if you guys remember, there are still a couple players that refuse to have their name. So, um, God, what was his name? The quarterback for the Houston uh, Oilers. Warren moon. Yeah. Warren it, moon. It just said QB Oilers moon. Oh, they, oh yeah, that's right. Because remember, there's there's and there's a couple guys that refuse to uh, let their name be on there. It's so, kind of like Bill Belichick with current games. You'll never yeah. see Bill Belichick in a Madden yeah. game. It always just and, says New England coach. Well, and even back then, it was happening, and that was hmm. the precursor for all the sports teams now. I mean, now because I mean, NFL and shit, NBA, baseball, basketball, sports games are all about putting names on players and that's big money. All right. So 
Will Brian and Big Nick share the same top three in the same order? Wow, that, that would be something. But before we get to my number one, Mark, what is your number one? Well, without uh, any further ado, it was Tecmo Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah! So we finally got a match. Um, I knew no, we I mean, were best I, friends. Absolutely. No, I think we've, we, you know, we, this game is revered for reason. And there's a few things that, you know, I actually wanted to say. So I'm, I'm kind of glad I can, can uh, add a few additional things here. So it's funny you mentioned Bo Jackson. Um, so the game was released in December of 1991, right? And obviously, you know, everybody knows Tecmo was the one that, that made that game. Um, so it was based off the players and stats from the 90-91 season. Um, so the season before, um, it included the full 1991 schedule, including the Super Bowl and the playoffs. Um, I think the reason for me that it hit such a spot, um, was because my beloved Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Super Bowl was in 1988, right? An 89 season. So it was just before that game was released. And that's really when I was kind of coming into my own as a, as an NFL fan. Um, and Super Bowl 24 was um, the year that it came out, um, which the Bengals were also in the middle of a playoff run. So and that's Super Bowl 24, where San Francisco beat the Broncos for anybody who's keeping score. Um, and the, the Bengals had played a couple playoff games in that year. So they beat the Oilers and then the, they lost to the L.A. Raiders. But the key thing that's really interesting about this is that loss of the Bengals to the LA Raiders. It was January 13th, 1991. That was Bo Jackson's last football game. So that was the game that Bo Jackson had the career ending injury and ended his career. So it's ironic, Brian, when you kept bringing up Bo Jackson, I had to kind of keep that in the back pocket, but that's an interesting uh, coincidence. You know, that was the last football game that, you know, well, ironically, the first and the last football game that would have Bo Jackson. Um, So, yeah, but for me, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, unapologetically, I'm a Bengals fan. People laugh, but Detroit was definitely my second favorite team. So Barry Sanders, there's nothing like running the ball with Barry Sanders in that football game. Right. I mean, Barry Sanders was one of those guys where I feel like even in today's standards with football games, you don't get that jukeability that you get. But somehow in, in Tecmo Super Bowl, you could juke guys left and right. You know, the little trick where you're running straight and then you got to change direction and everybody else all of a sudden goes to a crawl and then they got to catch back up to you. Plus, I uh, love that you just dropped jukeability like it's a normal word. I love that. Isn't the it? Other that, that's a normal too. word. With on the opposite side of the ball, there were some of the defenders that you could seem to dive the entire width of the field to make yes. a tackle. <laughs> like you can, like if you, you, can, had, you like, can dive seventy yards. Yes, yeah, Howie Long or Ronnie, you know, yep. Ronnie Lott, any of the big names like the Re- superstars, Re- Reggie of the White, Reggie White. You could dive if you had to make a if if somebody was running up at the top of the screen, your guys at the bottom, you take two steps and then dive. And he would slide about ten <laughs> yards to make the tackle, right onto the slip and slide, yeah. all the way across the field. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like top quality, like you know, logistics or if you want to call it that, or what's that? Uh, what's the word? The realism wasn't always. Uh, yeah, thank always you. There. Yeah, but it made it so much fun. Yeah. 
if we were to do like a point system to see who had the best list or the most, I guess, accurate list based on our three choices, Brian, you would win this hands down. Well, you, all course. three of your selections yeah. were on other people's list and, and in the same order. I mean, I, sh- you and I shared a number three, a number two spot, and then you and Mark shared the number one spot. So do, do I get paid for that or what? How's that going to work? $12. No, you're still down. You're still down $12. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all How right. is it? The, the only guy that didn't beat any games came up with the best game list. <laughs> well, he beat that's Mike what Tyson's I got to try and figure out. <laughs> he beat Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah. I oh, that's Mike true. Tyson's punch out. That's he, true. And he, he won the, uh, the NFL championship. Did anybody in, uh, witness that though? Football? I don't uh, know. There, there was a guy there. There was a guy. <laughs> you, you don't know. Him. You guys don't know him, but he was there. Move on. <laughs> All right, Nick. Oh, remember that yeah. One? That's my, right. The my Legend boy. of Zelda. Good choice. Is my number one. Good choice. I, you know, I, I talked about how many hours I played Tyson's Punch Out. I have to retract. I have to. I want that statement stricken from the le- the record because. I have to believe I played The Legend of Zelda more than any other game. I believe it to be the best NES game of all time. It was primarily developed and published by Nintendo and centers on Link. Link is the main character. He's an elf-like player. One thing that I forgot... and uh, I did, he, He's an elf-like gangster. Let's get it did, right. Did you guys own and play this game? Oh, I still yes. own that game right now. I still have the gold one, buddy. Day the one cartridge was gold. gold. Yeah. Yep. One thing I forgot, but I think it's an interesting thing, is you could name your player, and it would essentially change Link's name in the game to you could name him Nick, or you could name him Ace, or Brian, or Mark, or whatever you wanted. There were some some truthers out there, some purists out there that would would name Link Link. Others would name them something, you know, funny or their own name. What type of person were you guys? Did you change Link's name or did you roll with Link? I was a truther. I went Brian. Okay. Yeah, I went Mark. I I think the... That's probably one of the first games that gave you that ability to customize your player to that extent, right? So especially as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, I'm in the game. Right. I mean, you know, it was before you could like you had to get creative and be like, my name is like Skull Crusher or, you know, Kenny 2001. It would be like I'm Brian or Mark. Like you just would write your name in there. It was, you know. Yeah. I'd, what I about you, bro- Nick? Uh, I believe that I did it both ways. I think that I was Nick in the beginning. And I do know that at some point I played the game again at the starting at the beginning. And I, I went with the link as, as the name I went for the pure, the pure angle there. Now the, the enemy is Ganon and I did Rich not know Ganon. this, but he was known as Ganondorf in his humanoid form. I didn't know that he had a different name when he was in that form, but I did not know you're that trying either. to, you're trying to, to get pieces of the Triforce, assemble the Triforce and you're, it's similar to Mario where you're trying to save a princess. You're trying to save Princess Zelda from Ganon. So 
Um, I never beat the uh, Legend of Zelda, and and here's why. If you remember, the game you you played in Hyrule was the the area that you're you're fighting Ganon in. I did not know that. So Hyrule, there was a light world and a dark world. So if you defeated the light world, then it took you to the dark world, which it was like the bizarro world of the light world. It had a similar map. Things were in similar locations, but they were slightly different. Things were slightly tougher. Um, I beat the light world. Okay. But, but never defeated the entire game because it just took too damn long. Like yeah. by the time you, you were skilled enough to beat the light world, you felt like you climbed Everest and now you just want to go down, you know, you want to go down the mountain. It's easier to go back down. It's like climbing to the top of Everest and then looking and going, there's another mountain that I have. There's to another up. Everest. <laughs> there's another Everest at the top of Everest. So yeah, I beat the light world, but the reason why this made it my number one, I loved the dungeons. I loved how the dungeons, like each dungeon was its own game within the game and it presented its own problems. Each one had a boss. Some of them you had to have a certain weapon to even have a chance to defeat them. And often you would find and obtain that weapon somewhere else in the game, not even in the, in that dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved getting the maps. I loved, I loved figuring out the mystery. There was a lot of mystery in the game. Yeah. I think uh, I I will openly admit that is one I did not, beat um but i did own it and you know i the thing is zelda is such an iconic brand right i mean it's one of those games that you say nintendo and you think of mario and zelda you know i think those are definitely probably the two first names that that roll off your tongue um just an interesting tidbit on that i think you know nintendo made a lot of their own games right and zelda was no exception you know they they made that i didn't realize that there was actually different groups that made a lot of the internal Nintendo games. I, I'm going to get just off off kilter for a quick sec, but so right. technically, The Legend of Zelda was made by Nintendo R and D four. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. I actually had never nope. heard of that until I looked into this. Nope. So Nintendo R and D four came out with five, four of the five best selling Nintendo games. So Super Mario Brothers one, then Super Mario Brothers three is the third. Super Mario Brothers 2 is the fourth, and Zelda is the fifth. So there was Nintendo R&D 1, 2, 3, and 4, and each one was an independent development team that actually took on different ones. So like Duck Hunt was R&D 1, uh, Tetris was R&D 1. Um, I don't know, it's interesting. But but Zelda's a, it's a classic game. And even, you know, you look at the Switch now, I mean, they continue to make that game um and and make that franchise live on and it's only because of how well it was done previously because if you think it was a game that wasn't that great when you were a kid or even had had heard other people talk about it it wouldn't continue to be a thing today okay so let's all repeat our top three for the listeners out there mine was from three to one contra punch out and the Legend of Zelda. Brian, you had something you want to add and then give us your top three? No, it was Contra, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, thank you. Get it right. And Tecmo Super Bowl. And I had Kung Fu, Super Mario Brothers 3, and Tecmo Super Bowl. 
And the interesting thing here is there are a lot of games, as we said at the start of the show, that you almost felt a sense of loyalty to them, that you you loved them so much as a child, you wanted them to be on your list somewhere, and you almost feel like you're doing them dirty by not putting them on your list. So uh, I want to rattle off a couple that that were came to mind immediately for me. And what was weird was I loved all of the Mario games. I loved all of them. And when I first thought about the topic immediately, I was like, well, one of the Mario's is in my top three. Super Mario brothers three might be my number one. I think what hurt those three games is that there are three of them. I think had there just been one that, that it would have made it onto my top three in a way, having three different versions of the Mario franchise it it kind of leveled them out a little bit and it didn't peak as high as some of these other games. Well, and Nick, here's a thought too, is what if it was, if we critiqued it a little bit and said like your most memorable game, that would change it versus like top games. You know what I mean? Because obviously M- Mario is huge for us, but like when we, when you really think top three, certain games just come to mind and Mario kind of gets mixed into this meld of, well, there's three of them and we always played them. And those weren't the exciting games and no offense. Like it would be like, like those rare games or those games that you really were locked into, not always Mario. Yeah. I think, I mean, everybody kind of probably was drawn to, to certain things. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll name one that fell just out of my, top three which may surprise people and, and you guys may have, have heard of it or may have not but baseball stars i don't know if you remember yeah. that game but yes. S- i do not remember that game snk made that game um and it was one of the f- the f- one of the first baseball games um that a was you know you had RBI baseball, but this one actually allowed you to do the full season, similar like a Tecmo Super Bowl. Um, but I remember you could really manage the intricacies of the team, releasing players, and it showed them walking away sad, right? And different <laughs> things that, that, you know, as a kid, it made you feel an immense amount of power to like feel like you're running a franchise, right? And right. it's a probably equivalent to what you've got today, and, and maybe even, yeah. even more so. Um, so hang on, if we're dropping games that were close on the list, I'm going to hit you guys with something that you guys aren't even ready for. You ready? Okay, take, let's take, hear it. Take a deep breath. <sighs> All right, Caveman Games. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> Anybody? Really. Nick's laughing, so <laughs> I, I think either he's having a seizure or he remembers. I remember that game, and it was... All right, so this game... Is, it was like it was made by cavemen and played by cavemen. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the most inappropriate game invented, right? Did you say Brian had the best list? It yeah. might have gotten real hairy. All right, so, so, so hang on. Let me... Let me. It, it was like a caveman version of the Olympics games, right? All right, so some of the events were saber race. So you have to race a saber-toothed tiger. Well, that seems okay. Uh, one of them was called mate toss. So you mate where toss. you throw your you throw a woman. You you literally grab a woman by the hair and spin around and throw her hammer style for distance. That's not right. Yeah, right. right. It's not right. Uh, there's one called fire making. You just make a fire real fast. 
Well, that sounds uh, like survival tools. Uh, clubbing. You just club stuff. Uh, and then there's Dino Vault, where you have to pole vault a T-Rex. So I remember playing this game, and I was like, I was like, I, at the time, I was like, this is fun. But like as I got older, I was like, this game is really messing up some kids. <laughs> I just thankful. I'm very thankful that that did not crack your top three. <laughs> that was only right. an honorable mention. Hey, if you get a second, play that game though. It'll change your life for a little bit. So, so I know what- we want to wrap up here, Nick. But I just have a few final words for me. Um, one last honorable mention for me is a game called Kings of the Beach, which was a volleyball game. Mm-hmm. Um, Electronic Arts, EA, actually made this game. And it was one that me and my sister used to play probably more hours than than I could ever count because um, you could do doubles volleyball. I never enjoyed volleyball ever. I have no idea why I was drawn to the game, but to be able to team up with my sister, I'm pretty sure that's why we have a, a positive relationship today is because of no, that game. <laughs> no, Mark, I remember why. It's because all of the little characters had their shirts off, and I think you liked that a little bit, didn't that you? That could like, be. So I'm going to rattle off a few that you guys can either A or nay uh, that, that just to have to get called out, right? So Double Dragon 2, Russian Ooh. Attack, Spy Hunter, Blades of Steel, River City Ransom, Excite Bike, uh, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. And I loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Blades of Steel is kind of a fan favorite. I I remember playing it, but I always enjoyed the ice hockey. Good which choice. Which was yeah. a, very, a very general kind of dumbed-down version of Blades of Steel. But I loved the ice hockey where you were Team USA, and you were yeah. trying to compete against the other national teams. And you could you could fill out your team. They had a medium-sized guy a thin guy who was fast but weak and a fat guy who was strong but slow. <laughs> and I do and that's what that. your, your three choices were. And I loved yep. ice hockey. When going through the old Nintendo games, I, what immediately comes to mind for me are the franchise games, Super Mario Brothers, Zelda, Contra, those types of things that they release game after game under the same title, basically, the, those franchise cartoony type games. But when going through the list, I was really shocked at how many of what would be on my top 10 or top 20 were actual sports games. You know, you mentioned the, what was it? Baseball Mm all-stars. So I I enjoyed RBI baseball and I loved bases loaded, which was kind of a series. I loved the bases loaded. Good. First one behind the pitcher view of the, uh, when you pitched. Exactly. Yep. I loved ice hockey. Um, the tennis game, well, and the Nintendo and, tennis game was fantastic. And one you guys yeah. are leaving off that was huge, and maybe that was just me, was Skate or Die. Oh, yeah, that was a great one. It was a very popular game. I mean, even, now, yeah, that, that was one that, even though it actually was probably a crappy game, it was just very popular, at least with, like, my, in my hood, it was Skate or Die. Like, we played that game like we were going, it was going out of style. A game that I had completely forgotten about, but I loved it, and it was so it was so kind of generic. Was pro wrestling? You remember? Yes. Pro oh wrestling? yeah, where you could do the suplex. Starman, and- great yeah. game. Each guy looked like he had the same body type. They just stuck a different head on him and a different yep. color to him. But they all had and, special man, moves, and that yeah. game was fantastic. Now, nice. 
the game that was the hardest for me not to put on my list, I would say, you know, if we would extend this out just a little bit, my number four, this might shock a lot of you, but I, I spent so much time playing this game. It was a great one player game. RC Pro-Am. That was great. on my uh, almost list. Yep. Great Loved game. Loved RC Pro-Am. Now, do you do you know that Rare made that game? They actually made a few of the like premier titles for some of the future generation consoles. I had no idea really? Rare made that game, but they made like the Donkey Kong when it got into the 3D realm. But yeah, that was an excellent game with the different, you know, the uh, the water puddles that you'd slide out on. Yeah, that, that was a great game. And then I guess, and I know this was not a category, so I don't expect either of you to be prepared, but you might know something. You might have one that comes to mind. If if we were each to do a top 20 list, here's my game that I think no one would believe or no one would pick that would end up on my top 20. Marble Madness. I loved Marble Madness. Fantastic well, it was like, game. It was like amazed. And just, yeah. just so you know, that was my number four. Wow. Was so it really? So I so Skate or Die was like my wild card because okay. I did but Marble Madness, like that was like my most fu- funnest game to play. But yeah. but it but it was not my top three. So I love yeah, it. It was Marble challenging. Madness. It was and challenging. Nick, the fact that you said that, Nick, we are now best friends. Mark, you're out. Mark, you're in. <laughs> well, let well, me see. Like, we'll discuss well, I, the, our friendship after I get my twelve dollars. Absolutely. Pay up. Well, yeah. the one game that and this is probably the, the last one I'll mention, I, I'm surprised that nobody had mentioned was Paperboy. Oh yeah, Paperboy. Ah. And that that I didn't even write that on my list, but somehow I thought of it as we're having this conversation. Paperboy was like a classic. Um, you know, made me never want to be a paperboy in real life. Well, and before we wrap up, Nick, because I, I know it's about time, is this is even a game, but this was something that was very important when now we're and- naming not games. No. <laughs> Do you guys remember the game genie? Oh yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about it till I really started thinking about Nintendo games. But it, for those that don't remember, it was this like gold thing. You would you would put it, apply it between the game and the Nintendo, and it would give you like all kinds of. It would unlock a whole bunch of things. Like yeah. you could get ninety nine lives or or unlimited so, power ups. Well, and so here is the sad thing is, so we had one of those, and I still couldn't beat half those games you guys got <laughs> <laughs> because. Well, and and so here, funny story. Um, you guys might know I had a German Shepherd when I was a kid growing up. Well, he chewed on our game genie. It still worked, but I still couldn't beat games. So we. Oh, had- I thought you were going to say that helped you beat the game. <laughs> no, it did not help. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, good list. It was good playing with you both today. And again, if we had a point system here, I would say Brian was our big winner. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another great time with the big kids.